Hey friends, welcome to Unagi. This is a self-help podcast to help listeners strive towards achieving a state of total awareness. We talk about topics ranging from career progression, personal developments, and growth hacks. We also interview regular day-to-day people to understand how they got from zero to one, um, including their pain, blood, sweat, and tears behind that journey. We aren't know-it-alls, we don't have the answers to everything, but we want to be on this journey together as we find more clarity. Hey friends, grad school applications are due just around the corner, so we thought this would be the best time to drop a podcast about uh, post-grad for anybody who's thinking about applying in the upcoming weeks. Um, So we're going to talk about everything from the process to get ready to apply, things that you need to think about when you're applying, um, how you kind of make decisions about school and finances and all that fun stuff. Um, And hopefully we can share some personal stories that you can learn from um, to ease your application process. All right, Mish, uh, you recently just finished your grad school. Um, why don't you share with us why you choose to go to grad school, especially while you're working full-time at a very demanding job? Good question, Sunny. A lot of people ask me this one. So (laughs) I actually did my undergrad in the sciences. So I learned like cell function, anatomy, physiology, like very core sciences. But for anybody who knows me, they know that is not the line of work that I'm in. I'm in the health tech field. Um, So my reason for going back to get a master's is to have a credential in the field that I'm working in. It's kind of to support my personal profile in that sense. Um, And I wanted to kind of just grow my network within the field since health informatics and kind of the digital health space is pretty small, especially in the Canadian context. So I wanted to grow my network a a little bit as well. You're thinking about going to grad school. Yeah, I am. But unlike you, I don't yet know what program I want to do. And I'm trying to tell myself that don't think of grad school as a default choice, just because education is not the hardest part for me and it's easier for me to take the exam than to figure out actual hard questions. Um, And I don't want to just run away from whatever I'm in right now. And well, in a sense, I, I know people are using grad school as a transition uh, from one career path to another. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I try to think of it as can, if there's a different career path that I want, is there any way that I can get to it without paying the thousands of dollars to mm-hmm. get myself a degree? If that's the whole, po- the whole purpose is just to, make a difference and can I just not make can I make a difference without paying that money and not wasting one or two years of my prime time uh, in learning something that I may or may not be interested in so I'm really convinced that I need to make myself I'm really convinced that I need to pick something that I truly love before I get it get in there yeah like I'm a really strong advocate for people who like have worked in a role for a couple of months, maybe a couple of years, and then they go to grad school, because then you really get the full experience. But I think there's a lot of people that try to do grad school right after their undergrad, and I don't know that they get the same experience. Then again, it depends on the type of program as well. But 
I'm a very strong advocate for getting into the workforce first and getting your hands dirty to understand like how the role actually is and what the job looks like before going to get more education in that field. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with you, but I also see why the other people are thinking that they should better get their education early on because mm-hmm. um, there are higher opportunity costs when you are making that switch. Yeah, And later on, when you are, you have a couple more years of experience under your belt that you will be thinking of, well, what else that I would I could do after graduation that does not um, waste all the years I've worked before and does not waste my higher education. And I don't know, maybe the thought process will be different and you are, you might feel the time pressure a little bit more. Yeah, that's absolutely. just a thought. So how are you going to go about choosing your grad school? There are a couple of things I need to think about. I'm still thinking about it is, uh, which is, do I want to do it full-time, part-time? What program I want to do? How am I going to pay for it? Um, what are the things that, that draw me to that program? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there are so many criteria that just flow through my mind. Um, what about you? So it was easier for me to make the decision because I knew what field I wanted to be in. But before I knew that, um, I very shamelessly creeped people on LinkedIn in the kinds of roles that I wanted to do um, as I became more senior. And then I looked at their career paths, funny enough, to see what kind of things they learned. Um, And that's kind of how I landed in the health informatics place. So I would highly recommend creeping people that inspire you (laughs) to figure out what they do. Yeah, stalker Um, (laughs) 2.0. You're also doing it as a part-time program. How did you find that? Um, I thought it was okay to manage. It was part-time and it was online. So that was really beneficial to me. And it was online like way before COVID. It was that's the program that I applied to. Um, It was okay. It's just a lot of like self-regulation and making sure that you stay on top of your timelines. Um, As long as you kind of do the work when you have like scheduled time for it, you can always keep up. It's it's not like anything surprising. Um, But funny story around making a decision on part-time or full-time. I actually got into two programs when um, I applied for the the field that I'm in. And one program was at this prestigious school in Toronto, but they only had a full-time delivery option, which required me to quit my full-time job. And it's odd because my full-time job is literally in the field that I would be studying in. So that seemed like a really stupid choice to make. Um, So I tried to kind of negotiate with the school to see if they would you know let me do the courses over a longer period of time like if I could take the executive version but they were just not hearing me out um like I was totally ready to talk to the leaders at the company that I work at to figure out like how to make this full-time option work because I just wanted some diversity on my resume and I obviously wanted this prestigious school on my on my um CV as well but in the end they just weren't going to accommodate for that and I was not about to quit like the full-time role that I was in in the field that I want to be to go to this school So instead, I ended up doing a part-time online option at the University of Waterloo, 
I just find that Waterloo is a lot more practical. Their programs are really structured for people that have careers and need to manage full-time roles or manage families. <laughs> they, they really cater to professionals. So I absolutely love that. Um, so I ended up going back to the school where I did my undergrad and now I'm so happy to have finished it part-time. And now that I've graduated in this very uncertain time during COVID, like I'm working in the field that I wanted to be in. So no regrets making this decision. I do want to come back to your previous point, though. You mentioned part of the reason that you want to go to do grad school is to grow your network. Um, mm-hmm. But you attended a school that's part-time, online, and fully virtual. How did you find that uh, contribute to your network growth? Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to, but... I think a lot of the students that I met through, I mean, virtually, obviously, but the people that I met through the Waterloo um, online master's program, they were all in a similar place as me, where they were in a full-time career. So I worked with people that were physicians. Um, I worked with a lot of nurses, kinesiologists, so people that were like in healthcare. Um, and still wanted to do like informatics and technology. I also got to work with some hardcore tech guys. Um, So people that are working in like the artificial intelligence space. Um, And so I feel like the caliber of people that I met were still very much up there. And what was really valuable is that all these people were still working. And so anytime they wanted to, you know, shed light on their experience, they actually had something real to pull from. Um, so without a doubt, I think that network was very valuable. Um, I, I was able to reach out to so many people across the country, even to just ask silly questions like, Hey, how did you guys do this? Or what are your lessons learned, um, on X, Y, Z and get very practical examples because all of these people are working professionals. Um, and I don't know that I would have gotten that if I went to a full-time program, with students who I, I don't know I don't know their their background like if they worked before and now they're just full-time or perhaps they're coming out of undergrad and maybe don't have that experience to share yeah that's a valid point the people that you can relate to more mm-hmm. there are also co-op options in your program um what did you do with that So I actually did my co-op with my current employer, which was fantastic. I didn't have to change uh, anything that I did. Um, I just had to take on like a new kind of piece of work, which is fine. In the consulting world, you're typically doing like 10 things at once anyways. So that was fine. Um, But yeah, like 100%, I would say look for co-op opportunities because as much as you are going to learn what's in the textbooks, you need to practically apply it and you need to see how it's done in practice. Um, so definitely seek a co-op experience. I We both did that in our undergrad and I did that in my master's and yeah, highly encouraged, really valuable. Something I want to bring up from my undergrad though is even though that I had a great learning opportunities from all the co-ops I have done and I had different employers pretty much all the time I still feel that I played safe I played Mm. for both the name and for something I know that that will guarantee me a good outcome it's either in terms of a return offer or a good money that I can get or Mm -hmm. basically something that someone else has tried 
But co-op and internship is such a great opportunity for you to try something that you wouldn't try normally, something to allow you to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. If I were to do it again, I would probably try something a bit different because looking back from the grand scheme of things, I might be the opportunity to cost for me to try something bigger or something more outrageous in the internship was so much lower than trying it in your full-time career. But oh, again, yeah. this is also the safety me saying <laughs> that's still someone is a, a bit afraid of uncertainty talking about, well, co-op is a bit more out there for you to try. But I mean, you can actually do it whenever you want to. Um, I played it safe for my first few co-ops. And then I got to my last one and I was just like, screw it. Who needs a job? And I went out to California. It was a great experience. Like the role itself was a great experience. I met wonderful people there. And I think it's one of the reasons um, why I jumped into the tech world a bit more. Um, It wasn't a health tech job. It was um, like a HCM, human capital management type job um, with an HR software, but totally cool. I, I would also encourage people to try something new, try something different leave your home base, live somewhere else, do something creative. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Now, can you walk us through the process that you went through? What did you need to do to go through the grad school process? Yeah, so I dropped this article, um, and um, it was a 10-step process on how to get your application started. And the first thing I said was get started early because the last thing you want to do is be scrambling to get all these bits and pieces together. Um, the key kind of components of your application, give and take, it really does depend by the program, but it's a personal statement or a letter of intent, which describes why you're, why you're applying to this program and what makes you a good fit. Um, references are another key thing, um, depending on the program. Again, if you have to write some sort of exam, like a GMAT or a GRE, getting that done well ahead of time, um, and getting your, your marks ready, um, is another thing. And then, uh, again, depending on the program, if there's an interview process or you need to create some sort of portfolio of your work, um, that's probably the fourth biggest, um, chunk of your application. How did you write about your personal statement? I, I've learned that that needs to be genuine, authentic, and also that will appeal to the school. It sounds like yeah. something that's pretty hard in a stake. Yeah, I struggled with this for like years and years. Um, when I was in my first or second year of university undergrad, I I wanted to be in uh, medicine. So I actually applied to a school in England. And if you know about their system, they don't do like an undergrad and then go into a graduate with a profession. They, right after like their level of high school, they jump right into a career. So they would go to med school or they would go to law school. So I was applying for a direct entry medical school application and had to write a personal statement for that. And I thought I had to come up with some you know, like life-changing moment that I experienced that made me want to be a doctor. And honestly, I didn't have one. I just, I just thought or knew at that time that that's what I wanted to do. And I couldn't articulate it. Anyways, um, I was really struggling to write that application back then. I don't even remember what I submitted, but fast forwarding to my master's application, I just kept it very real. 
Um, and it was easy for me to do because luckily I was already working in the field. So to talk about what you already do and talk about it passionately is a lot easier. So I definitely had that advantage, but I just talked about my experience and why I'm inspired, what I want to change in the world and why I'm a good fit in order to, you know, be in this program and learn what they're putting out and make a, a difference in the world. So that's kind of the story that I ended up telling them, but it was very genuine, nothing flashy, no life-changing moments. Um, yeah. Like I didn't have to say that anybody close to me passed away. Like I don't, I didn't have any showy story like that. It was just very straightforward. Here's what I do. This is what I like. This is what I want to change. And here I am. This is who I am. Wow. I have you written know, a personal statement? Um, back in high school time, I was trying to apply to U.S. Uh, universities. At that mm-hmm. time, I wrote a few. It was very hard. I remember dreaming about what I want to put down on a personal statement. Because let's, let's be real. When you were in high school, you didn't know what other options are out there. Your view is pretty limited. And yeah. you are just writing down what you know, but not that much. And I was in a boarding school, so it was like really limited. I didn't know that much. Mm-hmm. Um, it, trying to think outside and trying to think of in the ter- 10 or 15 years of time frame, um, it was just not possible. So I went back to my childhood a lot, went back to why I wanted to do what I'm doing and what are the experiences that shaped me as who I am. That's mm-hmm. the path I went down. Um, it had gotten me a few offers, so I think it was it, it worked. But now if I'm applying for a master's, what I will be thinking is why I want to do this master program and why this school is the school of choice for me. I will really need to go back to my origin and ask myself what matters the most to me, which I don't have an answer right now, which is the reason why I'm not applying yet. (laughs) I think it's all part of the process. Like, it's funny that you say, like, you you don't know the answer right now. And I didn't when I was applying either. I actually, like, the part that takes the longest about your application, in my opinion, is getting references because you have to reach out and get people to confirm it. And then you got to put that in your application and whatever. So when I was asking for references, like it's, you feel kind of awkward just asking somebody to give you a reference without giving them any information. So I ended up having to write like at least a draft personal statement that I could share with all my references to say like, you know, here's my story and this is why you should give me a reference. So it was kind of like the chicken and the egg. Like I was forced to write the personal statement fairly quickly because I wanted to get something to my references. Did you keep that personal statement or did you update that at the end? Um, I think I did update it a little bit just based on like personal reflection later. But to be honest, I didn't change it a lot. And my thought process, um, one, I work a full-time job and I'm really tired, but two, that was my first pass at it. And that's what I genuinely wrote, you know, and those are my genuine thoughts. So I didn't want to change it too much. Um, but I did definitely add to it a little bit later. That's a good point. Like the first thought process that came through your mind is the most genuine one now, mm-hmm. in, most of the, in most cases. You also mentioned the references are taking a long time. How did you get the references and how did you identify who 
could give you the reference and who will help you in application process and how did you eventually get them? So references, um, contrary to what a lot of people think where you can get references in advance and just like have a signed PDF digitally somewhere and submit it, that's actually not how the application process works, at least not in Ontario for most schools. Um, the way that it works is when you submit your application um, for school, you indicate your references, you put their name, you put their contact information, email, phone number, whatever. And the schools actually send out like an online kind of form or submission form to them, which they have to fill out. So you can't really ask for references, references in advance, like you can't ask people to write it in advance, but you should definitely, um, like they shouldn't be surprised when they get that email. So you definitely want to ask for their endorsement um, before you put in their email into your application. So funny story, when I was applying, um, I had asked a program director who I thought would be an amazing reference because this individual had both taught me within a classroom environment and also seen um, like the extracurricular stuff that I did. Um, I thought this person would be a really great reference. And so um, I asked this individual and after a couple of weeks, I, I didn't really hear back, followed up a, a, a few times. And then eventually I, I got a note that said, sorry, I can't provide a reference, like no rationale. Like, I don't know if he was busy or you know, like didn't, didn't feel that they could provide a, a good reference. Um, but I, I was really discouraged at that time because I had put all my eggs into this basket throughout my undergrad. Um, so anyways, I was really discouraged by that. Um, I also did a, a co-op with a couple of doctors and doctors are very busy. So it was, it didn't hurt me as much when they ignored my emails, but um, these were two kind of very, um, prestigious references that I really wanted and couldn't get. So very discouraged in the process. I actually thought, screw it. Like, I'm just going to keep working. I, if I don't have a reference, I can't get into any program. Right. Um, so I was very discouraged mm -hmm. in the process. And then I don't know what kept me going, but I was like, all right, I'm going to try the rest of my professors. Um, and if you are in a science program, um, especially one like in an Ontario school, you'll know that there's like 300 people in every single class, you know? Like, I, I don't know the size <laughs> of your classes, Sunny, but they're huge. Or even if there's like 50 to 100, like that's a lot of students and everyone is smart, you know? Um, like I was always like an 80, 90 student, but at a school like Waterloo, that doesn't set you apart because a lot of people are very, very smart. Um, I didn't do like a lot of lab work or TA work for anybody in particular. So I, I felt like I was screwed. But anyways, I, I ended up asking uh, kind of the next best set of professors where I got really good marks and I did have some personal interactions with them. And it's funny because the scariest professor within the science department um, was the first person that I reached out to and she actually agreed to write me the reference. Um, but obviously this oh. is like, yeah, I, I was like, <laughs> I can't drop any names, but like everybody in science, if you've done your undergrad, they know that this is one of the scariest pe people in the department. You don't ask any questions. You don't mess with them. Um, but she was so <laughs> sweet. 
<laughs> uh, she agreed to write me a reference, but it had been like two or three years since undergrad, right? So she was like, you got to yeah. refresh my memory. <laughs> and so this is where like going back to my story, I had to write my personal statement before I got my references. So I was forced to kind of write something up for her, um, you know, let her know who I am and what kind of program I'm applying to and, and all that stuff. But I really had to chase for this reference. So um, at that time, I was on a pretty flexible project at work. And we were actually outside of the GTA, we were doing a kickoff somewhere. And my team lead was amazing. He let me take the afternoon off to go to Waterloo. And so I drove to Waterloo. I got a speeding ticket on my way back, but that's a story for another day. Um, I went to Waterloo. I sat down with this professor for 40 minutes and I talked to her. I told her all about myself and what programs I'm applying to, what my goals are, what I hope to learn from these programs and just like my vision for myself. And she seemed very moved. Um, she was so happy. She encouraged me she was like it's great that there's people like you that want to solve these very complex problems in healthcare she told me some very personal stories um that really helped us connect in that moment and that's when I knew I had sealed a really good reference <laughs> so after that I got one more reference from another professor um within kind of the business world and and that was set so those were my two references for school moral of the story is don't put all your eggs in one basket uh, throughout your undergrad. Definitely network with different, different professors. And number two, as I said in that article, and probably like three times in this podcast now, start early because these kinds of surprises can really set you back. I'm curious, how long did that take you to get all the things done? Because, you know, the deadlines are around the corner. Do people have enough time if they decide to start applying now? Yeah, um, I would say I did all of that. I know it sounded like a really long story, but um, I think total, it was about four weeks. Securing the references took the longest parts and then chasing down people to complete them was another piece of work. I know that if you submit references and somebody doesn't respond or they don't complete it and then you have to switch one of your references mm -hmm. that is apparently a real big pain in the ass um from what i heard so you definitely want to make sure that you communicate out with people and let them know that you're using them as a reference and whether they will endorse you and give you a positive reference get their confirmation and then submit their name i can totally imagine how painful that will be um, you also applied to a couple schools, right? Did you use the same references throughout or did you diversify? I think in the end, I did end up using um, the same references. I, I ended up getting three different professors from my undergrad and one employer reference. And I kind of just mixed and matched them because some programs required three references, others required two. I tried to make it so that each individual wasn't writing more than two references um, because they it's not just a letter that they write and submit. Often it's like text boxes. So they do have to manually go and copy and paste something in and submit it. So it is a little bit of work and it's hard to chase down these professors or even like managers at work that are really busy. Uh, so I tried to keep it to two references per individual. 
but those people are truly invested in your future and your career. So they will yeah. put in the time to put in the reference for you. Yeah, and I still um, owe it to them have- to this day. And I talk to all of them <laughs> to this day. Oh, that's so nice. You actually revive the connections that you had in university for this. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, so do they need to write different things for different programs? Or is that a copy-pasting job that could be done? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I mean, I wouldn't know until one day I have to provide a reference. But I do think the questions are a little different depending on the program. They probably set up their form a little differently. So as much as they probably can write a little bit and copy and paste it, they might need to, to change things up to, to answer the question. I see. And after you submit all your application information, what's next? So this step can really vary. Um, make sure you save everything as part of your application. Because if the next step requires it, you don't want to be missing pieces or like not knowing what you submitted. Um, for most of my grad school applications, I had to do an interview. So that's probably the next best step is to prepare for an interview. So that can be like reviewing the application that you submitted, um, Googling different questions, um, practicing with friends, like anything that you would do for like a regular job interview. You can pretty much do that for a school interview as well. Does it feel like a job interview? Because, you know, when it's a job interview, there are particular things they're looking for. Is that the case for a grad school interview, program interview? It didn't feel the same. It didn't feel the same to me, at least. I, I don't know. I just didn't feel that pressured, which is probably a good thing and probably helped me perform a lot better. But now that I think about it, like one of my one of my interviews was pretty intense now that I think about it. I had to do a, like a written test almost like I mean I don't think anybody marked it in real time but I had to write um like a a, like a mini essay on a couple of topics within the field that I applied for so that was really grueling like imagine sitting in a room and writing like a couple of paragraphs and you're like halfway into your career and you've never taken a test in like the last (laughs) three years or something that was really weird and I also had to pre-prepare a presentation on a topic of my choice and present it to, I think like a project director or like a dean or something like that. So, I mean, it was it was pretty intense now that I think about it, but I just didn't, I don't wanna say I didn't take it that seriously, but I didn't feel pressured. Um, I just did the best that I could. And luckily it, it wasn't like a new field for me. It's something that I've already kind of played in. So I was very comfortable speaking about it. Um, and people knew that, like my interviewers knew that. So they really pushed and probed me on some topics. Like some guy was asking me about cybersecurity and I was like, I don't know, <laughs> like stop asking me. <laughs> but, um, like that's the price you pay when people realize like, oh, you've been working on the field, then tell me more, you know? Interesting. Well, tell me when you were writing that mini essay, were that just you or were there multiple people there and someone was watching multiple people not just over you over your shoulder. so someone was watching me but it was just me it was me in like a very small office just writing this essay so weird wow that attention yeah. what's the funniest interview question you've ever gotten i don't remember okay i'll okay, go so- first because it was part of this interview okay. <laughs> so 
I got to like my final round of interviews. I think there was like three people. Yeah, man, this interview was grueling. Like it was crazy now that I think about it. But I get to my third person and they look through my resume and they're like, oh, so you work there and you do X, Y, Z. So why are you applying to this program? Because a lot of people that graduate from this program want to do what you're doing and you're already doing it. So why are you applying? And... I was like, shit, he is on to me. (laughs) I don't remember what I said, but um, that was definitely one of those moments that really stumped me. I giggle about it every now and then. I asked you that question myself too, if you remember, a long time ago. (laughs) For me, I think when I was in university, when we had to do like 10 interviews um, in two weeks for all the jobs, it was just a general rush. I don't remember most of my questions and my answers. And I just remember going in thinking I know and trying to pretend that I know the answers to most of the things and just Mm -hmm. saying it. I haven't been doing interviews for a long time. So I think what I'm most scared of for them to ask is what are the most challenging things that you have faced? Because if you let me go honest and deep, it will be quite philosophical. And I know (laughs) no one want to listen to those like in the air things. I need to think of something that's concrete and relatable. And I was like, okay, I haven't created major disasters, but there are some things that have been bad. But I don't know how to say it in a way that's both positive and personal and genuine. It's something I really care about because it is not the most challenging things that I have personally, but that's the things I have to say. Yeah. 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 I hate when people ask about my weaknesses because I'm like, really? Do you really want me to poke holes into this wonderful application that I've submitted? Exactly. All right. After the interview, what else? Do you need to think about the real life problems? Do you need to think about the money issues? Yeah, you definitely do. Um, Grad school is really expensive. I don't want to speak for the people that have done MBAs because I've heard that's crazy. Um, But even like a program like what I did, um, it was pretty expensive and for somebody who hasn't saved up um, a portion like of their earnings, it can be like a very sudden onset expense. Um, so like that was one of the key reasons why I wanted to continue to work because if I quit and put all of my effort into school, like there goes my income that's going to fuel this, right? Like I'm going to have to quit my job lose out on the experience but also have to take out a loan or ask my parents to support me so that was like a big determinant for why I did part-time um luckily for me because I was working I was able to finance it myself um Mm -hmm. but again yeah like a lot of people don't have that option um I know some of my colleagues who did their master's in engineering they um had some support from their employers um and I think that option is also available was available to me but it was just a, a big process that I didn't want to go through um so depending on on your employer's policies like that's an option to explore and then there's always the Ontario OSAP loans or loans through banks as well what are the pros and cons of either taking OHIP or keeping your job did you think about that I mean I I didn't even take um, OSAP for my undergrad because a lot of it um, thankfully was paid by my dad um, who started an RESP really early 
and through like what I had earned during co-op. So I'm not really sure about the OSAC process, but I think it, it just, it does add on to the stress. So if you're able to finance it yourself, um, I think that that's really beneficial. For me, the, the reason why I ended up staying or holding on to my job was more a career choice, more than a financial choice for the program. Yeah, thinking of the long term that this is where you want to come back to and it wasn't a career change that you want to make. I think that was a defining moment for that decision looking back. All right. I do have one other thought on tuition. Um, So tuition can really vary from school to school. And that's something that I learned throughout my application process as well, is that even though I was applying for like the same field, the prices really vary depending on like the ranking of the school and all of that. So that's something that you want to take into consideration. Um, When I finished up my last semester at Waterloo, I was enrolled to be a full-time student, but I, I was a keener. I took courses ahead of when I should have. So I ended up only taking one course, which is part-time. And the school was wonderful enough to take that into consideration and refund me the difference between full-time and part-time tuition, which is like, like thousands, you know, like it's a couple thousand or a couple Mm -hmm. hundred at least. Right. Um, But I have colleagues who have gone to other schools where they finished their program a semester ahead but the school still charged them for that semester Mm. that they didn't study in. So that's that's something to take into consideration when you're picking your schools, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to pay more than what I'm getting. (laughs) I don't want to be ripped off. I don't want to go broke. Yeah. And I don't want to be treated like a number. And I, cause I feel like some schools really do that is they just treat you like a number and they take your money and you get your degree and leave. But there's other schools that are very much focused on your success and will, you know, have things outside of like what you're just learning to help you be a successful person. So that's something to consider when you're thinking about finances and when you're thinking about what school to pick. While you brought up the schools like feeling cultural topics, that's so important. When you are doing school research, most of the interactions you have with the school will be their website and the program. Mm-hmm email, whatever. Um, How did you tell so much about what they care about from just that? What were the tips that you noticed? Um, I think the way that you're treated in the process of applying is really important. So if you have questions and you reach out to like program administrators or something, just their responsiveness to it, the way that they answer questions is really important. I did have to interact a lot with like a graduate uh, coordinator for all of the programs that I applied to just because of like the process of like references and, and interviews and all of that. So I did have a lot of back and forth with people like that. And you can get a sense of their culture from that. The second thing that I did, because I'm a creep, I went on LinkedIn and I just DM'd people that graduated from that program. And I talked to people um, about, you know, how they felt about the program And I could kind of gauge just based on kind of their personality and the way that they spoke about the program, you kind of get the gist of it. Um, And then the the other stuff that I kind of pointed out, it's more just like lessons learned after the fact. Um, There's definitely things that you might not know about just because of the application process. Like you really have to live it 
and go through the courses and actually graduate before you figure out what culture looks like. Um, luckily for me, I got to go back to my same undergraduate school. So I already knew what the culture looked like there. It's all about innovation and ideas start here. And that continued from <laughs> undergrad through to master's. Water, water, water. Lou, Lou, Lou. <laughs> we are not sponsored <laughs> by water. <laughs> <by enemy. laughs> well, uh, is there anything else you want to highlight? No, I think we have talked through um, everything that we can think of about post-grad. But if there's any other questions, uh, comment on our blog post or comment on the in the comment section and we'll get back to you. Thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Bye now.